theyeshiva.net. Good morning, everybody. Today is Vav Nissen, Tuesday morning, Vav Nissen, Tavshin Pei, the 6th of Nissen, 5780, and March 31st, 2020. I want to welcome everybody who's here with us today on this morning. May it be a beautiful day and a healing day and a bright day for us and for our families and for all of our people and for the whole world. Um, Rabnuchmam, just just give me a heads up. We're all good, YouTube and everything. Beautiful, thank you, wonderful. Okay. So today's class is dedicated to all of the all of our brothers and sisters who are in such a need for a refuah shleiman and a refuah kreva here and in all of the United States, wherever they may be, and all of New York, of course, and Muncie, and the whole world, wherever they are, B'chol Makim Shaheim, may they all experience uh, transformation in their health, from darkness to light, and from uh, <coughs> from illness to a full recovery, among all the people on the planet who need a recovery. Amen. So last night, I uh, it was like the middle of the night, and I heard from a close friend of mine who lives in Los Angeles, who's, uh, who's pretty sick with corona, and uh, the person sent me something. I don't know where they saw it, but it was very, very deep, and it was also very moving. I want to read it to you. I just have to find it. Give me one second, and I'll find it. Oh, okay. I want to read it to you. But like As always, whenever you read these things, it's important to make a disclaimer, and that is with so much suffering, physical suffering and emotional suffering, and tragedy of uh, many of you are aware of the depth of the tragedy. <clears throat> if you get clips from different uh, organizations, whether Chavra Kadisha, Atzala, etc., doctors, nurses. So it's very important when we read these things not to, uh, you know, romanticize people's pains. When somebody is in pain and distress, and everybody is in pain and distress. First and foremost important thing is <laughs> to be in touch with that, to do whatever we can to help a person physically, of course, emotionally, financially, and on any other level. But this person who came down with corona and struggling with it and different members of the family, some serious, sent this to me. And I thought it's just worthwhile to read simply as listening to the voice of somebody struggling. Mm-hmm. Me, me. Hey, God. God. Hello, me. I'm falling apart. Can you put me back together? God. I would rather not. Me. 
Why not, God? Because you aren't a puzzle. Me, what about all of the pieces of my life that are falling down onto the ground? God, let them stay there for a while. They fell off for a reason. Take some time and decide if you need any of these pieces back. Me, you don't understand. I'm breaking down. God, no, you don't understand. You are breaking through. What you are feeling are just growing pains. You are shedding the things and the people in your life that are holding you back. You aren't falling apart. You are falling into place. Relax. Take some deep breaths. Allow these things you don't need anymore to fall off of you. Quit holding on to the pieces that don't fit you anymore. Let them fall off. Let them go. Me. Once I start doing that, what will be left of me? God. Only the very best pieces of you. Me, I'm scared of changing. God, I keep telling you, you aren't changing. You are becoming. Me, becoming who? God, becoming who I created you to be. A person of light and love and charity and hope and courage and joy and mercy and grace and compassion. I made you for more than the shallow pieces you have decided to adorn yourself with that you cling to with such greed and fear. Let those things fall off you. I love you. Don't change. Become. 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 Become who I made you to be. I'm going to keep telling you this until you remember it. Me. There goes another piece. God. Yep. Let it be. Me. So I'm not broken? God. No. But you are breaking like the dawn. It is a new day. Become. So all those of us who are, all of us who are quarantined, and hopefully you're in good health, and your children and your spouses and your loved ones are in good health, and if not, they should have a recovery. This is certainly a time of taking stock on every level. So this is just one perspective of what we call Chesh HaNefesh, of taking stock during uh, what in other uh, years are usually the most uh, hectic, <laughs> hectic days of running for matzah and wine and meat and chicken and cleaning and, and scrubbing, etc., etc. And today, apparently, the B'dikah's Chametz has to be on two levels, not only external, but also uh, internal. So, everybody can ask questions or give your comments to this poem if you wish. Eight four five seven 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 forty seven forty seven, eight four five seven 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 forty seven forty seven. One of our chevra who comes to the shir has yard set today, so I'm just going to mention <coughs> Reb Michal Handler and dedicated for the yard set of his father Zichrena Levracha, Reb Matis Yahu Ben Elkana Alav Ashalom Tehenish Masit Surah B'Tzurah Chaim Shem Yagutah Better for you and the whole uh, family. Amen. Says Reb Matis Yahu Ben. So, my dearest friends, we uh, have been exploring three states of consciousness, or three states in life, what is called in, uh, in Nigla, in Halacha, in Chumash, on Evet Knaini, in, in Chumash, in Gemara, in Chazal, in Halacha, Eved Knaini, Eved Ivri, and Amaha Ivriya. And the difference we discussed is connected to three layers of the soul, Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama. 
Yesterday, in yesterday's class, Monday's class, we learned a very uh, important distinction between the three. In the first two, there is something called chipozen. You have to run away from your negative slavery in haste. You must rush. What does it say by Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim? Kibarach ha'am. The nation fled. Why did they flee? Because avadim hayinu lefarim Mitzrayim. Because we were slaves. And whenever you're in a state of slavery, we're talking here about negative slavery. There is an Eved Hashem where you are a servant of God, meaning you're aligned with your ultimate self, with your highest self, with your deepest self, with your deepest levels of awareness to bring it back to the meditation. And even beyond that, even beyond your awareness. But there's also negative slavery. I can be a slave to so many other things. I can be a slave to my impulses. I can be a slave to my anger, to my laziness, to my bad temper. I can be a slave to my skeletons, my ghosts, my demons, my traumas. I can be a slave to my jealousy, my envy, my animosity, my hatred. I can be a slave to my crippling fear. I can be a slave to my paralysis. Anybody relates to any of this? Did I use enough adjectives? Rabbi Litzman says not enough adjectives. Okay, but I think you'll figure it out and you can add anything you have to add. So I can be a slave to all of these things. And I am. I could be a slave to the need for honor and validation and glory. I sent out yesterday an email. I hope you guys received it. I don't know if you're on my email list, but it's on the yeshiva.net, an article by my friend Rabbi Pinny Dunner from uh, Beverly Hills about uh, people doing a seder in quarantine. And a very moving story that I shared there. But sometimes I can become a very deep slave to the need for validation. I always need people to validate me or glorify me. I can be a slave, of course, to money. I can be a slave to entertainment, to distractions. This is all slavery. And when I go out of my slavery, it has to be bechipazayn. And that's why the Torah keeps on saying by Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, it mentions a few times that <laughs> eat it in haste, in haste. It's not just haste in a rush, in a rush. Haste is the definition of the Geula because it didn't have to be in haste. They were sitting at home. The Geula was only the next day. They had a whole night. They didn't have to eat it in haste. They didn't have five minutes for dinner. Sometimes you're saying, you have five minutes for dinner and we have to leave right after. They didn't have five minutes for dinner. The night before Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, they had a perfectly relaxed say that they were going nowhere. Moshe said, you must be quarantined, pun intended, in your home till the morning. So they could sit relaxed in their homes, in their huts, in their tents, and eat the lamb or the goat and the matzah and the murr in their homes, quarantined, protected, confined. Tomorrow they left. At night they weren't leaving. At midnight there was the big plague of Makas Pcheres. So it didn't have to be in haste, practically speaking. They could spend from the evening and they had a very good few hours. 
Until midnight, there was not even any action outside. After that was Makas Pcheris, the death of the firstborn, and Pari came screaming, get out. And they still didn't leave until the next day. So the haste here is not technical in terms of time. Like you push it off to sit, we have three minutes, eat fast, eat fast, and go. They're not going anywhere. They're staying home a whole night. The haste is internal. The chipozen is an internal emotional state of haste. Because in very simple English, when you're an addict, you have to run. Who do you have to run from? You have to run from yourself. You have to run from the parts of yourself that are broken. Like in the poem I just read, you have to run from the parts of yourself that have become you, and you have to get rid of them. And if you're going to walk slow, if you're not going to run, in other words, if you don't recognize how powerful this is, then you have to literally pull yourself away, which is what running away means. I have to run because somebody's chasing me. If somebody's not chasing me, I don't have to run. If something threatening is chasing me, I have to run. Who's chasing me? Pieces in me that are keep on chasing me. And if I just relax and I take off my guard, I get rid of my guard and all is good because I'm completely wholesome, because right now I'm wholesome, I could fall right back because the one who's pursuing me could schlep me right back into the abyss. And therefore, I'm constantly in a state of running, identifying the enemy and pulling myself away. And the pulling yourself away is strong. It has to be with vigor. That's the state of the Evet Knaini. And it's very powerful liberation. They ran away. Why did they run away? Because they were not completely cleansed from the brokenness of Mitzrayim. And that's a critical stage in Geula. In fact, Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim is based on this. Haste, swiftness, fastness. And yesterday at the end of the year, we discussed different levels of Chippozin more external and deeper and deeper and deeper, four different levels of chipozah. There's Evid Ivri. Evid Ivri is still an Evid, but it's a much higher plane of consciousness. And in Evid Ivri, there's not only the right actions or the right behaviors or even the right thoughts and words, but in Evid Ivri, there's also deep emotional identification. There's much more wholesomeness. Yet, still an Evet Ivri, and there's still an element of Chippozen. There's still an element of haste, because the inspiration could come and go. The inspiration could be very powerful, but like the moon, it waxes, and it's beautiful, and then it wanes, and then it disappears. And then there is the third state, called Neshama, the Amma Ivriya. And the Amma Ivriya is a completely in a different state. It's already in touch with Neshama. Here there is genuine, not just inspiration, but transformation. Now let's see further inside, where it will be explained even more clear. And I know these distinctions, especially the last two, are not so easy to grasp. Let's learn more. It will become even more understood, I think, and the way we can apply it to our life. One, two, three, four. Four lines from the bottom on page Kufai in Bays. If you're joining us now for the first time, I don't know if there's anybody joining us for the first time, but if yes, welcome. And on the yeshiva.net, where it says Tuesday morning class, Tuesday morning chassidus, there's a banner on top of the homepage of the yeshiva.net. You'll open it up and you see the video, but there's a source page, source sheet on top of the video and a PDF below the video. If you click on the source sheet above the video, the screen will split into two. You'll see yours truly speaking, and you will see the text. If you go to the PDF on bottom, you could just download it as a regular document in your computer, a PDF document. And when you open that up, you go to page Kuf Ayin Beis. We're holding on the bottom of the page. One, two, three, four, four lines from the bottom. 
All this explains a very enigmatic Pasuk in Parshish Mishpatim. The Pasuk says that when somebody sells his daughter as a maidservant, she should not go out like a regular slave. And what does this mean? So the Zoyar says, because the slaves go out in haste, she should not go out that way. And the Zoyar connects it to the fact that the Novi Yeshaya distinguishes between Mashiach and the first Geula. The first redemption the Jews had to run. They ran, they fled. The second, the last Geula, Yeshaya says, The Pasuk says, Prophet Isaiah, you will not leave in haste. You will not run. You're going to be salvaged with shuva, with serenity, with hisyashvas, with tranquility, with calmness. So when it says by an Amma Ivriya, what does it mean? She goes out in a completely different fashion. Not not in haste. What does this represent spiritually? Like every halacha is a spiritual, it's a physical concretization of a spiritual idea. So he says four lines from the bottom, Kofayim Beis. Let's see a line before. In the case of an Evid, he needs the haste because toxicity has not yet been transformed. She will not be freed from her servitude like a regular male servant, because by her we say, don't leave in haste. In her case, there's no need for haste. He spoke Chipozen earlier, yesterday's Shir, on many different levels. Whatever level Chipozen is, the Amma doesn't need it. The first level of Chipozen is an addict has to run away from a lot of things because they're too dangerous. They are triggers. If you know that you're going to be in a situation and it's going to trigger the worst part of yourself, you have to consciously get out of there. And that's called running away. It doesn't necessarily mean physically running away. That too. That too. That too. But it's more an emotional consciousness. I am out of here. You cannot remain there. You're not healthy enough. You're not wholesome enough. And this itself is true on many, many levels. What do we mean by addiction? There's addiction, what we call, you know, real, real addiction. And those of you who understand this, unfortunately, know this very well. How serious it is. How dangerous it is to touch anything that can trigger it, because you have to acknowledge your weakness. I have to acknowledge my lack of control, my inability to control my life. As long as I don't acknowledge that, it's extremely, extremely difficult to heal, to recover. So I have to run away. The same is true on every level. When a person is in the state of an evet, I have to run away, but an Amma doesn't. Why? Because the first escape was escaping a world and escaping words, actions, and, and, and deeds, words, actions, and thoughts that 
are alienated from truth, which is from godliness, from divinity. That's all if my Ra, my inner Ra, is still very powerful. It's not transformed. But somebody like the Amma Ivriya, where there's transformation, so he says they don't have to run away from anything because when they relate to anything physical, they're not looking for the external. They're looking for the godliness. And they know how to use it for the truth. And that's what's very interesting. When he says, The Amr doesn't have to run away from anything. Because if you could see the truth of it, and you know how to use it in that way, then everything is just an opportunity for wholesomeness. In other words, Yiddishkeit in its ultimate sense, very often, people, you know, there's a lot of words you grow up with. For example, Gashmias is bad. Run away, run away, run away from Gashmias. Those are words you find here. Here he also says run away from Gashmias. But he makes a very important qualification. It's not the guy, you don't have to run away from Gashmias. You have to run away from the Avdus, from the toxicity. As he says, the Amma Yivriya doesn't have to run away. Why? Because there's the fake, run away from the fakeness of Gashmias. There's the Pnimius of Gashmias is Elakus. Every piece of food, every dollar bill, every cell in the body, every piece of technology, every video camera, every laptop, every Zoom program, every table, every mic. Every limb and organ and every physical phenomenon and reality and creature and organism. There is the externality of it that is not authentic. It's a cover-up. And then there is the pnimius of it. What's the pnimius of it? The truth of it. Delicus. So you're not running away from the gashmias like the world is an evil place. It's not an evil place. You're running away from the fakeness, from the cover-up, from the delusion, from the externalities. As I sent, I said in the poem earlier, you want the extra pieces to fall away. You don't want to be a puzzle that's made up of pieces that don't belong to you. That's what you're looking for. When you could see the lacus in something, you don't have to run. And you know how to use it that way. So therefore, the Amma Yivriya doesn't have to run. But why is she in that place? Because there has been very, very powerful transformation. And in each one of us, we know there's different states. There's some things I have to stay away from. Because if I get close, I could be sucked into it. And sucked in, not to the truth of it, to the facade of it. But some areas, you're wholesome. You could face it. You could be there. Because you don't get this fall from it. So in each of our lives, there's elements where I'm an Evet Knaini and an Evet Ivri and an Amma Ivriya. There's certain things that I have to run from, and there's certain things I really don't have to, because the fakeness will not be tempting for, tempting for me. It's worked out. It's a worked out piece in me. Maybe it's a blessing. Maybe sometimes it's even natural a little bit, at least part of it. And therefore, you could actually face it in calmness. There was another chiposin that we spoke about, and that was the chiposin, the haste, of Lamayr Saratsi, Lamayr Saratsi means to hasten the sense of inspiration. He spoke about the fact that the chipozen of the Evet is he has to hasten the sense of inspiration, and that's what Psukh de Zimra represents. To really get to the Bechain, to really get to the application. That's the chipozen, a much deeper level. Doesn't also have to be by the Amma Ivriya. 
in the Avoid of Dhamma Ivriya, don't go to the Bechain. You could meditate in great length on all the loftiest, truest ideas of godliness. Understand everything, how it is and what it is and all the details. Because he is or she is a vessel for comprehension of the divine and the divine light shines by this person internally in their soul. And that's how it affects truly also the animal soul. And based on how elaborate and in-depth is the meditation and the understanding, the deeper it is, in the same way it will affect the refinement of the animal soul. And the love and the awe of this person in the state of Amevri, it's not that it doesn't exist. But it's not in a state of espilus, which means it's not in a state of, of, of any detachment where I am inspired about you. Rather, there is a complete fusion, a complete oneness. And that's why by the Amevri it says she will not go out as a regular slave who has to run. Rather, there's no, there's no chipazin here. All the properties of chipazin don't have to apply to the Amma, the um, the Amma Evriya. Umuvan Mizah, I'll call upon him. We can understand from this. Sheuvder Shenasai de Chipazen, Einoi Meshubach Kol Kach, Meanasa Shloyai de Chipazen. Something that happens through haste is not as praiseworthy as something not through haste. Hagam Shemish Tzorich La Chipazen, Arei Muchrech Ba Chipazen, Veetzle Yimayla. Even though somebody who needs this, for him or her, it's the greatest. For you, it's a mindless. You need this because this is where you are in life and you have to embrace that. Nonetheless, when you look at the whole picture, it's, you have to understand that it's a different state of serving God. Chipozon is not the same state as when it doesn't have to be done with haste. The Chazal speak about the tribes of God and Reuven who came to Moshe and they said they want to settle Transjordan. They don't want to go into the west. They want to stay in the east. So the Chazal bring on this a posik and they call it Nachalam Mavuhelas, an impetuous inheritance, meaning they rushed to take Eretz Yisrael, they didn't want to wait till they go in and cross the Jordan and take the West. They wanted the Transjordan on the East. This is in Parshas Matas. What's the idea? Because Nachalam of Uhelis means an inheritance that is acquired through haste. And this represents, maybe very vital and important, but a certain state in life where a person is, and you can't compare it to the Amma Yivriya who's in a higher state. But if you need this, this is what you must have. And if not, if you're going to deny it, then you're sometimes left with nothing. The Pasuk of Ayishlach, these are the kings who reigned before the Jews had a king. It's called the world of Toyu Chaos. There is impetuousness there. 
Tikkun is always a Yashvus, which is settled. It's not Chapnish uh, I'm not, you know, grabbing angels. There's a certain internalization, and therefore it's internalized. Whenever, when any time something is internalized, there's a calmness there. I don't have to run because it's who I am. And when it's who I, when it's when it is who I am, I, when it becomes me, I don't have to run. The Zayar says an elderly person, the older a person gets, the more their das becomes meyushav. The Gemara, the Mishnah says in Kinim. So he says, Sava, an older person, his mind is sasim, it's wholesome, it's like good wine that has already rested very many, many years on the haven, on the sediments, and now it's completely refined. So he says, you know, the older a person becomes, and you work on yourself, you become like the aged wine. We learned yesterday in Gemara that Yosef sent his father Yaakov, Yayin Yashem Shadas Skenim Noichaimeno. Aged wine that elders can enjoy because that's the story of their life. The longer the wine, the older the wine becomes, the more refined it becomes, the more clear it becomes, and the less you need the chipazin. That's why you'll see that even after the Jews left Egypt, they were in flux. Sometimes they were in an unbelievably beautiful state and sometimes not. Why? Why the fluctuation? And the answer is because even when they were liberated, even when we're liberated, the Egypt is still inside of me. So therefore I get pulled back and I pull myself out and I get sucked in and sucked back. The Jews kept on saying at moments of crisis, let's go back to Egypt, let's go back to Egypt. There was so much like a roller coaster. And the classic example for this in very real life is that somebody who was really stuck in their security blankets and comfort zones or addictions and habits, even when they go out, even when they go out of it, it pulls them back because it's the familiar life. You know, whenever you ever try to really change and the addiction says, just come back, come back. What do you need? And you're going to die in the desert. Here, you're a slave, but at least you know whom you're a slave to. The familiar evil is always better than unfamiliar evil. So the battered woman who just keeps on going back to the abuse, I go back because that's my security blanket. That's what I know. So every moment of crisis, the Jews are saying, let's go back. Let's just go back to Mitzrayim. Better to be a slave than to die. What do they tell Moshe? Better to be a living slave than an emancipated free person. Now I know not everybody agrees with that. Give me liberty or give me death. But the Jews of Egypt said this. We would rather be living slaves than free people who are dead, who are lifeless spiritually or psychologically, that's what we often tell ourselves. Just go back to that lifestyle. It worked. Yes, it was dysfunctional. It was abusive. It was ridiculous. It was absurd. But it works. It's the brokenness that you know. And that's the challenge. Because whenever you're in a state of chipazim, meaning you extricate yourself from yourself, it's very, very natural and easy to go right back into the comfort zone and you have to run away again. That's what chipazim means. That's why they're fleeing. They're fleeing from the para inside of them. This is what the Medrash says. 
to have a ozzel balaynla vehidlik neva kabba, vachaza vehidlik, vachaza vekabba, vachaza vehidlik, vachaza vekabba. Omrat kaman imisyagaya lahadlik vachaza venichba, amtinat shayoyer eir ashamash vaelich leir ashamash. The Medrash says a story. There was a person who was traveling at night and he lit a candle. Remember, nighttime in the olden days and yesteryear, this is before Thomas Edison, there's no lanterns and electricity. And a person is going at night, it's pitch dark, you had the moon, the moon, and if it was a night without a visible moon, so he lit a candle. The candle was extinguished in the winds that flowed through that, uh, in the winds of the night, the candle was extinguished. So he lit another candle, he lit it again. It was extinguished again, he lit it again. So it's already three times, and then it was extinguished again, and he lit it again, etc., etc. Finally, the man, frustrated, says, how long will I toil to light the candle again and again, only for it to be extinguished? Let me just wait until dawn break, until the sun rises. And when the sun rises, I'll just follow the light of the sun. Let me wait till day breaks, and then I won't have to deal with this. Very interesting metaphor. What's the Medrash saying? Kach. Yisrael nishtabdu l'mitzrayim, nigla de ma'yishavar. Nishtabdu l'bavil, nigla de chanani mishal v'azayim. Nishtabdu l'mikdin, nigla de matasyahu v'banov. V'chazur v'nishtabdu. It's a story of history. The Jewish people were enslaved to Egypt. And who liberated them? Moshe and Aaron. They lit a candle. They lit a candle. They were enslaved to the Babylonian emperor, Nebuchadnezzar. And then Hanani, Mishal, and Azariah were three young Jews who were in exile. And they helped the Jews liberate themselves emotionally from the Babylonian emperor. And ultimately, the death of Babylonia went to Persia. And there was the other liberation through the other prophets. Then they became slaves to Macedonia. Moikdain is Macedonia. Alexander the Great was Alexander of Moikdain. Macedonia, which is a city in Greece. Moikdain, it's called Moikdain. And who liberated them? Matasio and their children. Not in the generation of Alexander, but later the Alexandrian Empire, the Greek Empire, ultimately took over the world. And Judea came under the rule of Antiochus, who came from the Greek Syrian dynasty. He was in Syria, but it was part of that Greek uh, empire that was ultimately divided after Alexander's death into four pieces. And Hanukkah happened, and Matasio liberated the Jewish people. And then the Romans took over. The Romans came and took over. So at some point the Jews say, how long are we going to light a candle and it will be extinguished again and again? Every redemption is followed by exile. Why don't we wait until the sun comes up? We want God to liberate us himself. Let the light of Hashem light up our night. Instead of a candle, let us have the light of the sun, which will not be extinguished by this wind or that wind or this force or that force. It will be absolutely radiant and bright so that I don't have to walk in the dark. This is the story of the Medrash. The story of the Medrash is a very powerful story because it represents these two different stages in life. I can light a candle again and again. And when it's dark, that's all I can do. And I must do that. I have to light the candle. But the candle is likely to get extinguished, to burn out or to be blown out. And then I have to light it again and sometimes again and again and again. And the Jewish people are watching this. They're liberated, but then 
they go back into Golos by somebody else. There's a mutation. There's a mutation. It's like a virus. A virus attacks. You build immunity. It can't come back again because your body won't let it in. Your host cells already know the enemy. They know the invader. But he goes through a mutation and he shocks you. He surprises you. He catches you off guard. Every Golos is a mutation. So you have the Paris version, the Babylonian version, the Greek version, the Persian version, the, Greek, the, the, the Babylonian version, the Persian version, the Greek version, as he says, the Roman version. The same is true in life. I have my darkness. I light my candle, but it gets extinguished. The attack comes from another place, unexpected. So I light it again, and it gets extinguished again. And that's a very important state of liberation. Because Moshe took the Jewish people out of Egypt that way. But ultimately, the Jews say, has the time not come for sunlight, for daytime? So I won't have to reignite the candle again and again. I want Hashem to liberate us, to liberate me once and for all. And then there is an absolute sense of emancipation that doesn't reverse back. What does this mean in a person's life? If anybody wants to ask anything, we'll take some questions. 845-777-4747-845-777-4747. I see there's some comments, so let me take them. Oh, quite a few. Okay, so let me read. First one from our friend Rebezriel. I think it's important. I think it's important to emphasize when you run away, you have to run somewhere. Somebody who has an addiction has to run away to a place that is more true, more spiritual, more deeper. If you don't have where to run, you're just running in order to run, you're going to come right back because you're homeless. So you run away from your house, so to speak. You have to have another house. Very well, very well. You have to have a destination where you're running to. Something that can hold you. Some, somebody who will give you a bed, spiritually speaking. Reb the greater the degree of slavery attachment, the greater, faster, and stronger has to be the departure, the detachment. Very well. If you're holding on to me very tight, I have to pull myself out with much more vigor. If the attachment is much less, then I don't have to run with so much haste because, because you're not holding me so tight. When the connection is weak, I can slip away slowly without force and the opposite. Recall that 80% of Jews didn't want to leave Egypt and didn't. Even 20% who wanted to leave had to run and run with force. Reb Michal, I want to just reinforce the point you have made repeatedly, that even though Yosef HaTzadik could see the underlying truly divine Tiferes that was, post many layers of Tzimtzum, the basis of the Gashmi temptation of the wife of Petifar, still can exist, and he had to run, Vayanos. We perhaps on a lower level, we're more slaves. We're not La but we're not at Yosef's level. So don't rely on your heroism, Bishas Maisa. Instead, run, Bechipozen. Yes, very, very good point, Rabbi And that is, the Maggit says that when Yosef saw the beauty of Petifar, what does the Gemara say in Saita? He saw the image of his father. So the Maggit says, he saw her beauty as a reflection of Midas Hatif Eres of the Rebbeinu Shalayla. And that's how he, and that's what he ran to. You're saying, Al Yishayta, don't be such a hero 
and look at her Tiferis as a reflection of God's Tiferis, because the next step is you're going to get stuck in her beauty. Instead, run away. Very, very important point. You're not an Alma Ivriya, you're an Evit Knein. Okay? So, Reb Ruven, Reb Ruven says it's my birthday today, so I want to bless... Why don't you unmute him, uh, Reb Nuchem? Reb Nuchem, you hear? Maybe you can unmute Reb Ruven. I don't have to read your blessings. <laughs> Maybe at the end of the shir, okay? You'll give us your blessing for your birthday. Now, what does this mean in a person's life? Here he's talking in Jewish history, but he's applying it to our life. What does it mean in our lives? So for this, I'm going to tell you a story, a marshal, that they say over from the Tzanzeruv. Reb Chaim Tzanzer, Zechrona Levracha, Schusa Yagen Aleinu. He was known as Reb Chaim Halberstam. Reb Chaim Halberstam was one of the great Hasidic masters in Galicia, in Poland, in eastern Poland, Tzanz. And he's known as the Divrei Chaim because of his his Shalos his books of response are called Divrei Chaim, the words of Chaim. And the Halberstam dynasty usually comes from the holy Divrei Chaim, the Tzanzer of, and many of the Hasidic dynasties which came came from his family. So they say a metaphor from him, a very profound metaphor that is very much associated with this. Divri Chaim said there was once a man who was traveling and he got lost in the wilderness. And the more he walked, the more he got lost in the thicket of confusion. He walked for days and nights, but there was no way out. And finally... One day, he sees, he sees a lantern, and he's excited, wow, there's somebody alive here, there's some light, there's some hope, and he runs, and there's a person there. He says, OMG, oh my God, I have been lost here for three days and three nights, and I can't find the way back to the city. Can you help me? <laughs> the man says, you've been lost three days, three nights. I've been lost for three months. I've been lost for three months. So he says, you can't help me? He says, one thing I can help you. I can tell you what ways not to take. That's what I can help you do. I can tell you which paths will take you nowhere. Because I've experimented with a lot of paths. This won't work. That won't work. That's the expertise I can give you. So the Tzanzerov said, so the man who was freshly lost looks at him in desperation and says, so what now? He says, what now? He says, let us hold hands and search for a new way together. And this was a metaphor he gave for how Jews, he was speaking to his Hasidim. And he was telling them what their role is as a community, what their role is as friends, what their role is as Jews coming together to search. Very profound. I'm looking, you're looking. I come to you, you look like you have experience, you're an old sage, you got a long beard, yeah, you've been around. I say, show me the way out. And you say, I don't know. I'm lost longer than you. One thing I know. 
I have experience what doesn't work. I went here, I went there, I went there, I went there. So what now? He says, let's hold hands and search for a new way together. But then the Tzanzerov added something else. He said, so the man said, if you don't know where you're going, what do you have a lantern for? You don't even know where you're going. What's this lantern helping you? Why do you have it lit? He says, ooh, that I will not turn off. I will not extinguish my lantern. Why? He says, I don't know the way out. I don't know. But I'm hoping I light a candle, somebody else will find me and get me out of here. I may not be able to know the way, but I light a lantern, somebody will find me. Now, each aspect of this parable is very significant. It's the idea that experience of years doesn't necessarily give me more clarity where to go. It just may tell me where not to go. It's the idea of the humbleness that we both have to hold hands together and search for a new way. And it's finally the idea, I may not know my way out, but light a candle. Somebody will find you. Your God will find you. Your Rebbe will find you. Your soul will find you. Mashiach will find you. A friend will find you. Somebody will find you. But don't extinguish the light. We don't light candles to always know the way out. Sometimes I don't know the way out. But I light a candle to say, I'm present. I'm here. Maybe I can't find myself, but maybe you could find me. That's the candle metaphor. Now let's take this more personal in a human being's life, in my own life. What's the difference of lighting a candle and waiting for daybreak? Lighting a candle means I, I, I bring in light, but it's going to be extinguished. And that's the idea of running away. We ha- light candles in our life. That's the role of a person. Neir Hashem Nishmas Adam. We learned yesterday, the Gemara says in Megillah Tezayin, that Yosef told his brothers, ten flames couldn't extinguish one. One won't be able to extinguish ten. Everyone has a flame that you have to keep on lighting. What's that flame? It's the flame of your light, of your love. As I always say, we are ambassadors of love, of light, of hope, of healing, of redemption. That candle of hope I have to light every single day. And even if I may not know the way out, but by lighting, light, somebody else can find you. Someone who you didn't expect. Maybe you're super conscious. Maybe a friend. I told you. Maybe your Rebbe. The best God will find you. But for that, you have to keep on lighting candles. And I light, and it gets extinguished. But the next day, I have to light a candle again. And don't get frustrated. In a person's life, it means, yes, I have a lot of stuff in me that are broken. They're dark, and they extinguish my flame. But you know what? I light a flame again. Does it mean I know the way out permanently? No, I'm stuck. That's why we have to hold hands and search for a way together. But make sure the candle is on. Don't extinguish the flame. And that's a tragic but beautiful state. I keep on running and coming back, and therefore I run and come back. If I would really be free... I don't have to run anymore. I could walk, but I'm not free because somebody is schlepping me back. So I have to run, schlep back and run. It's like there's an attachment to things that are broken and the flame keeps on getting extinguished. So at some point, the person says, enough, give me sunlight. Give me sunlight. I need sunlight. Enough with the candles. I need permanent light. Historically, the Jewish people are liberated back in Gullus. Liberated, back in Gullus. Liberated, back in Gullus. At some point, the Jews say, 
We want Mashiach now. I want God to redeem me through Mashiach, but I want Hashem. The redemption should be directly from Hashem. Hashem So that there shouldn't be any more the going back and falling back and falling back. And what does this mean in a person's life? It's a very powerful moment. There is a point in life where you have to say, enough with running away. I don't want to light candles anymore. I want the sun. When the sun comes out, you don't need a candle. You don't even notice the candle. There is complete light. This is a paradigm shift, and it's a very deep paradigm shift. And I want you to understand this well. And uh, I'll say it briefly. Many of us, people listening to this class, are in recovery. In one way or another. Some people should be more in recovery. Recovery is a beautiful, beautiful thing, as I have mentioned many times. But now I want to say something else about it with all due respect. And that is, recovery can also be an Avodah Zorah. It can also be something that you worship. It's like almost I romanticize my addiction and my recovery. Now, I am very sensitive to this because I know a little bit about this field from experience and a lot of interaction with people. And I've been to many group recovery meetings. Uh, So I know how important it is for an addict to know that he's an addict. The worst thing for an addict is not to know that he's an addict and to say, oh, I'm good. I'm in recovery. I know that. But I want to tell you now something else. And I know it's a very different point. And that is recovery could be an idolatry. It could be an idol. Like everything could be an idol. Almost I worship my recovery. I worship my dysfunctionality. I'm an addict. I'm dysfunctional. I'm sick. I'm depressed. I'm crazy. I'm traumatized. And therefore I'm running. I'm running. I'm running. I'm running. My candle burns out and it puts it back and burns out and puts it back. It's important, vital, indispensable. And I love you. But at some point in life, at least for some moments, you have to say, enough with the candles. I want the sun. Enough with the candles. I want the sun. I'm not broken. I'm not broken. I'm not traumatized. I'm wholesome. I'm free. I'm emancipated. I'm infinite. I'm divine. How do you do that? We don't always want to do that. You know why? There's something romantic about being broken. (laughs) There's something romantic about being desperate. There's something romantic about saying, I'm a traumatized person and therefore I fail and fail and fail and fail. I light the candle and it goes out and I light it and it goes out. There's something very romantic about it. But it's a romance that sometimes enslaves you very, very deeply. Can you sometimes tell yourself, I'm not broken. There is a brokenness in me and there's a part in me that wants to say that I'm broken. But maybe I'm part of infinity today. Go into the mode of the sun, not in the mode of the candle. Now, we don't want to do that always because that means I'm healthy. It means I'm responsible. It means I have no excuse when today I lose it at my wife or my children. And we all like excuses. If I could tell you I'm traumatized, I'm abused, I'm an addict, I'm a tzedreta, I'm a meshugana, I should have been dead. I went to recovery, then I have beautiful excuses. Every time I fail, what do you want? I'm really an addict. There comes a point in life where you have to say, no, no, the sun is shining. You're part of the sun. This light is not going to be extinguished. This is the gula. this is the light of the gula. The Jewish people say, enough with candles, give me God. 
I want to be connected to the source, the essence. I don't want candles anymore. I want the sun. Can you do that? That's a much deeper state of gula, but it means you're much more powerful than you imagine. You can't cry victim anymore. I can't say, oh, he never, I'm a shattered, broken, lo yutzlachnik shlemazel kapsen, battling idiot, fed, shoite goy, shedetz. I don't know, the oven, you know all these terms. This is uh, from my youth. You can't say that anymore about myself. I can't say it. And when I don't say it, what's my excuse? How does a person get to this place? The deepest way is, for this you need awareness. Awareness, awareness, awareness. Where I ask not what truth can do for me, I ask what I can do for truth. The ability for me to transport myself from my own orbit and allow my eye to become aware of the ultimate truth of Elikus. That is where a person changes. That's where the Amma happens. And I know we're not always going to be in that state. We still have Evet Knaini and Evet Divri. It's enough work over there. But there is a component, especially in these days, where we wait for the real Gula, not for fake Gulas. We don't want candles anymore. We want the sun. So in our own life, it's that ability to open yourself up to that possibility of a whole different type of freedom, which is a freedom where I can't say, I'm going right back. I'm not going back. I have nowhere to go back to. I'm a free person. There's nowhere to go back to. That is real mature freedom of another level. And you have to be able to embrace that. And that's the status, that's the model represented by the female servant, We're going to uh, take a break here. I'm not going to say we're stopping here. We're not stopping. We're taking a little break. They call it recess. Recess. And then we're going to continue this uh, tomorrow morning. Now we're going to go over in uh, two, 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 three minutes of the Gemara share. But if you could just unmute uh, Reb Reuven, because he wanted to share something with us. And anybody else who wants to share, you could share. Well, uh, I understand that on someone's birthday, they have the Koyach to give brachas. So I'd like to use that Koyach in a full measure to give each and every one of you, all of us and our families, all you say in the world, the bracha that we should greet, Mashiach Sidkenu, in the full, unrestrained way. Amen. Now that the, we, the entire world's attention is focused on negativity, we can flip it over in a second into positivity. That should happen today. Go on. Amen. Your birthday would be a beautiful day for this. And, and we're preparing for the birthday of the Jewish people. Pesach is the birthday of the Jewish people. So it's... Uh, it's it's a month it's a month of birth. I'm just going to read. Thank you, thank you, Reb Reuven, and you should have a very successful year in Ashnas Atzlocha. Amen. And uh, only success, happiness, and good health and prosperity for you and your family and all your loved ones and all of us and all of the Jewish people. Amen. Amen. And may the candle be transformed into the sun. I'm just going to read the well, another two comments here before we go. By Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, it says, Nigla Melech So why was that not the sun? Excellent question, excellent. And the answer is, very good question. By Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, it says, Hashem himself was revealed. It wasn't Moshe and Aaron. Beautiful question, good, good question. The answer is, that's true. 
but it happened only from above, not from within. In other words, it was a moment of absolute infinite revelation that overwhelmed the Jewish people and transported them into another domain. But ultimately, when that revelation didn't come from above, on their own, they were not ready for it. On their own, they were still enslaved. And that's why the slavery could reemerge. The Chiddush of Mashiach is that it's not just the light of God from above, it's the light of God from within. And that's the difference between Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim and now. There have been 3,000 years of a lot of work in between, a lot of blood, a lot of sweat, a lot of tears, a lot of joy, a lot of transformation. So that's the difference between the two. 845-777-4747 for questions or comments. One more, Reb Moshe. Real permanent change, you say, comes from Moichen. Opposite of just emotions, based change, which is fleeting. Emotion-based change is more fleeting. Doable by the Ame of Ria who has transformed herself and is not attached or lightly attached to that from which she must detach. For her, because the attachment is absent or weak, haste is not so necessary. This is how I understand it. Is it correct? The answer is, it is correct. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a beautiful, beautiful day. Stay healthy. My love and blessings to all of you. Make this day meaningful. And if I could suggest to all those who are listening, if today you could, uh, if, if possible, unless, of course, it's necessary for medical purposes, if you're a volunteer or so forth, it's, it's, I want to suggest two things. <laughs> Number one, dedicate a certain time of the day where your phone is off, or at least it's put in a drawer, because the WhatsApps now come in two or th- every two or three seconds. And unless it's very necessary for you because of helping somebody or helping yourself, try to dedicate time where you could spend time with your soul, with God, learning, davening, or with your loved ones, with your children, without the phone constant. Number one. Number two, I would just also suggest today and every day that uh, try to pick up the phone or send a message or email, but better to pick up a phone to one or two or three people who you know are quarantined on their own. They're lonely. Maybe just one person in quarantine or two people. Could be a relative, could be a distant relative, could be a friend or could be a stranger. Could be a stranger. And reach out to them. Give them a little light, give them a little love, and tell them you're thinking about them. My suggestion for the day, I love you, have a beautiful day, and a healthy day. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.